are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. It's me, Sam, uh, with a new, brand new episode. Uh, today, we got a very special guest, uh, a true brother and a man of God who I'm, I'm honored to call a friend. Pastor Arthur Soto. Hey, Pastor Arthur, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for taking time. Um, I know we're recording this on Sunday afternoon. Um, we had a great time in the presence of the Lord. And now we're sitting down together and just having a conversation and everything like that. Uh, if you could introduce yourself and just share a little bit about who you are to the people tuning in. Sure. Um, my name is Arthur Soto pastor of Heaven's Gate Christian Fellowship here in Passaic, New Jersey, uh, married to a wonderful woman by the name of Yolanda, uh, who pastors together with myself and uh, father of two wonderful boys, Gabriel and Ethan. Great. Uh, I know that um, your leadership just goes beyond the four walls of the church and uh, you work full time as well, but you also have a heart for uh, the city and the community th- that you're part of in Passaic. Uh, maybe you could give a little background about your city and your community at large, just so that people kind of have an idea of what it's like here, what ministry is like here, life is like here, and ultimately the change you're trying to see. Okay. Um, well, we live and we minister in uh, the city of Passaic, uh, which is in Passaic County here in New Jersey, uh, about 15 minutes away from New York City. And uh, we've been here living for about 15 years. Uh, but my family and I have been ministering here for over at least 30 years. And um, uh, it's a very diverse city. Uh, it's seen uh, a fair share of demographic changes over the last 15, 20 years where um, it, it was more uh it just it it had greater diversity now it's more um hispanic latino uh definitely heavy uh immigrant um uh demographic um we also have you know a a jewish uh, uh orthodox jewish community we have a, a a fair amount of um uh we have an indian community um and obviously an African-American community, but it's mostly uh, Hispanic now, uh, lower income, you know, have, you know, definitely working class. Um, and uh, but it's it's really we, we really counted an honor and a privilege to be able to serve this community and to really partner with God to see his purposes, you know, fulfilled in this city. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just being a witness to what you've been doing and visiting your church and house of prayer and even ministering. You know, earlier today, um, you guys are doing a great work in, a, in an urban context, uh, working with, you know, minorities and, and things like that. Um, I know you also serve on the Board of Education, um, making a difference. And you have a heart for revival and reformation and, and change in that way. Um, in your opinions, um, how would you describe the relationship 
between revival, which I guess you talk about in the church, but reformation is kind of for the city and maybe their roles together and maybe or differences. Just your your heart on those two matters. Um. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think that you know, for the longest time, you know, the church um, was really focused on itself, mm-hmm. <laughs> on you know, just expanding uh, the four walls of the church through evangelism. And obviously, you know, the church um, has history in terms of like feeding the poor and, um, you know, ministering to the people outside of the four door, uh, four uh, walls. But for by and large, you know, the, the focus has been um, really just kind of inward, you know, um, and to a certain degree, you know, maybe even our eschatology has been uh, kind of geared towards that, you know, we can't wait for Jesus to return so yeah. that way we can escape this godless planet mm-hmm. that's going to hell, you know. <laughs> I'm kinda, yeah. But, um, you know, the Lord's really been putting on my heart and I'm not alone. I know there's many who are also um, really believing, uh, you know, for not just revival in the church, um, but also a um a reformation in our culture a reformation in our society um you know really for god to to bring a transformation um in our in our you know outside the four walls and um you know one of the things that uh the lord has um, and, and I apologize because as I'm, I'm talking, like I'm, I'm searching for the scripture, but like, for example, in Isaiah, you know, it talks about like part of, part of the reason why, um, like I'm reading from Isaiah 61, right? Where it says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me for he has anointed me. And Jesus used that to start his ministry. He's anointed me to uh, preach the good uh, good tidings to the poor and to bring uh, uh, opening up of the prison doors mm-hmm. to the captives, right? But it says in, in verse four, it says, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities Amen. that have been devastated for generations. And like, I, I feel like that's something that the Lord is kind of like highlighting I mean, think about it. That's that's a prophetic word that Isaiah gave in the old covenant way before Jesus, right? Um, pointing, uh, it's a messianic uh, uh, prophecy, right? So it's pointing to Jesus, but then it's pointing to, I would say Jesus said like greater works we would do. So if anything, the evangelism is exponentially more, you know, now we carry Holy Spirit. And so in evangelism, in uh, uh, delivering people from uh, demonic uh, oppression, healing, all those things just gets amplified with the power of the Holy Spirit. So think about it. Verse four should also be amplified as well, Amen. where we're restoring cities and uh, rebuilding, you know, ruins. And so I just feel like uh, I think the church is starting to catch that um, that part of its mandate that we are called to restore Hollywood and restore um, the arts and education and sports and, 
you know, in my case, uh, the Lord opened doors for me to serve on the board of education. And um, I really, I'm, 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 you know, it's still the first year of my, the first year of my term. Um, I'm learning a lot of stuff. And obviously there's administrative things and political things that come mm, along with sure. it. Um, but in the areas where I can, number one, represent Christ um, the best, and then to do, to bring excellence yeah. um, into the education field, um, you know, I'm just asking God to give me wisdom to do that uh, the best that I can. For sure. And I think that's so great um, to see you moving and, and serving outside the four walls, right. right in society, right, impacting young people, you know, not by trying to get them to become a youth group, but uh, the school systems and, and curriculum and all those different things. Um, what would you say, like, your heart is as you serve in that capacity? Excellence and, and all these different things. What is your, um, what got you serving there in the first place? You know, I, I'm just trying to kind of make sure I want to package this answer yeah. correctly. Um, well, I mean, it, it for me, it goes back to what Jesus said, right? Jesus said, I have not come to serve. I'm sorry, to, to be served, but mm -hmm. to serve. Amen. And I think that we need to take that, again, it's about amplifying that vision, right? So it's not just serving in church. It should start there, but it should be in the home, right? Uh, serving our children, our children serving uh, parents and just honoring and loving each other and serving each other, serving in the community, um, serving at work, you know, doing the best job that we can, right? Because at the end of the day, it's all for the glory of God, right? He receives Man. the glory when we do things excellently um, in excellence. And I think um, for me, you know, I want to see, um, it's going to sound almost like a political uh, uh -huh. uh, speech right here, right? But I really want to see like our school system be the very best that it can be. I, I believe that at the end of the day, it brings glory uh, to God really when an educational system of a, of a city or a region is operating at the best capacity sure. and kids are getting educated. And, and I really, I, I really think it's awesome when uh, like Christian parents uh, send their kids to Christian schools, but not all Christian Christian parents can do that. So um, what a blessing, right? To have a school system that's so great that Christian parents that can't afford to send their kids to a Christian school, or maybe they can't, they're not, um, they don't have the time to homeschool, right? We have a lot of Christian households that homeschool, but that they could feel like, oh, like our school system is, is run with excellence and we have really great teachers there and, and, and I think that all brings glory and honor to God. That's part of the whole rebuilding of the ruins that we've seen in so many urban areas here in the United States, especially in the Northeast. For sure. I think even as you share about that, um, it reminds me of the story of Queen of Sheba visiting, you know, <laughs> yeah, King Solomon. And she's not coming to get theology. She's coming to see how a city is ran, how it's governed and, and the systems. And she's blown away. In that, she gets a witness of God really is as great as 
you know, everyone else's has been telling me, you know, your God is great. Amen. Just by that. And I, and I feel like, you know, that's your heart even now. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah, the, the whole story with the Queen Sheba, she, she says, uh, you know, not even the half yeah. that's been reported Come to on. me is, is actually. So I, I'll just share very quickly that, you know, this, uh, I think for me, um, this also, comes from my parents, um, especially my mom, because um, both my parents are teachers, actually, or were teachers. And your wife is. And my wife as well. She's a teacher in, in Pasek High School. Um, but my parents, um, you know, my mom, she would lead intercession at my uh, my dad's church, and she would lead prayer walks, you know, for the in front of the schools, in front of City Hall, and declaring just blessing over businesses. And it was just that heart of seeing, you know, God move in multi-levels. So not just like at the church level, but, you know, also in businesses. And, um, you know, I mean, people want to go to businesses, like we talked a little bit about this offline, right? That we want to go to a business that is run with excellence and Part of that also is like when when there's a breakdown in society and in culture, you'll have um, we don't even have to talk about like every every time people talk about like bad businesses, they think about like strip joints or <laughs> liquor place. But like who would want to go to even like, uh, let's say, um, you know, like any like a grocery store where they cheat people or they sell like bad produce or mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, stuff like that. Right. You would want like any kind of business to be run like with excellence and just things that are done well. And so anyway, my mom would be praying for businesses and she'd pray for the schools and she'd use utilize a lot of strategies that really were God ordained. She would take verses, scriptures and write them on pieces of paper, almost like like fortune cookies, you know, and but she would wrap them around toothpicks and just do these prayer walks and they would insert these, you know, these uh, scriptures uh, with the toothpicks into into the ground, literally like just sewing into the ground. And, you know, I really thank God because that prepared the way for where I'm at right now, where the city is right now. And I really just, I want really God to use me as well as others and um, to, just take it to the next step, the next level of reformation and transformation in the city. Um, And it's all for the glory of God. And who's going to benefit from that? It's going to be our kids, Mm -hmm. the next generation. For sure. Amen. I mean, I think, I know we were talking a little bit about that and and just how your mom was a pioneer intercessor and, and, you know, making declarations over the region and the land and everything like that. Um, can you share a little bit about how, like, you know, we should have, and you just talked about a little bit right now of how you're seeing that come to pass, you know, now, and you're seeing the inheritance of that now. Uh, can you go a little bit deeper into that of how those prayers decades later is opening doors now for that to take place, not just for churches or ministries, but for a city? Yeah, I mean, my parents have been ministering here in the city of Passaic. Um, since 1972 and, um, you know, in the beginning they, they labored like many other pastors and other churches where, you know, 
building your own little, you know, you're building your church and administering and pastoring and all that stuff. But I think it was really in the late 80s that my mom just caught a heart for, you know, she, I, I, you and I also talked offline about, uh, yeah, she just devoured books on intercession and Cindy Jacobs and Paul Yonggi Cho and Francis Frajipane, all these yeah. pioneers, right? And so she just, the Lord just put a heart, she gave her a heart to pray for the city and for the city of Passaic specifically. And so just leading these prayer walks and I would be part of some of these prayer walks and just like, you know, in my ignorant mind, just be like, like, why are we putting oil on the sidewalk? <laughs> why are we putting these toothpicks in? You know, my mind wasn't really, you know, uh, catching this, the, the spiritual significance of it. But here I am now in my 40s and just receiving that inheritance, like you said, and makes me think about, you know, even Solomon, you know, I mean, we just talked about that story, but the truth of the matter is that he was standing on the shoulders of his father, David, and David, you know, established the house of, of the tabernacle of, of David, uh, that 24 seven Davidic worship. Um, and just, it's interesting how all that labor that David did, the, the warfare, the literal warfare, yeah. spiritual as well, literal warfare, all paved the way for then Solomon mm. to be able to receive that inheritance. He didn't have to fight any longer. He just kind of like, just, you know, stood on his father's uh, shoulders and then just took it to another degree where he built the temple and, and you know, afterwards, unfortunately, his spiritual inheritance wasn't as strong as his father's. And for I guess for us, uh, the lesson should be that we have a responsibility of not just receiving an inheritance, um, but then to build it for our kids or the next generation. Because um, there's a difference between, uh, you know, wealth, wealth. Uh, what is it, you know, building wealth and preserving wealth. Mm. And a lot of people get just really content with, you know, kind of preserving the wealth instead of developing for the next generation. And so in a spiritual, um, in a spe spiritual uh, level, you know, it's really my, I feel like it's a mandate of mine, not just to sit on the laurels of my mom or just to kind of like coast now, but to take it to the nth degree. Can a city be, you know, saved? We got to say yes to that yeah. and just declare that, yeah, we've seen changes in our city or region or whatever, you know, whoever's listening to this, you know, maybe you've seen transformation happen or maybe you're at that forefront, right, yeah. of, of transformation. Um, I think it's important for us to not just plow and to pioneer and open up a way for other generations uh, but then to teach them to do the same so that way they can then do the same and take it to another level. So that's that's really where I'm at right now is just asking God, okay, what do I do now? What, what should I do now? Because I have two wonderful sons and I want them not just to receive that inheritance, but then just, again, just multiply it for, for the next generations come to come Amen. until Jesus comes. Amen. Yeah, I mean, I I think even when we first met, the thing that was so clear to me, uh, just seeing you as a man of God, a, a brother in crisis, revivals in your heart, but reformation was just 
just so clear on your life. Um, I know as a leader, um, you know, in the wider sense in the community, but even in your church, I, I feel like what you really carry is a heart for unity as well. Uh, you have a, a Spanish speaking congregation and, and you had me come and speak and you've had so many other, other speakers from different cultures and, and ethnicities and backgrounds. Um, how did that heart for unity and, and being so intentional in diversity, um, you know, how did that start for you in your heart? Yeah. I, I mean, I think you hit, you hit the, the nail on the head, um, by using the word intentional. And I think that, um, I saw like ministries like resting place, um, that, you know, brings in just, uh, just a, a, a kind of cross section of different speakers from, um, you know, both nationally and locally, different colors, different backgrounds. And I was really provoked by that. And I thank them for that. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, again, I've been on a journey where in the beginning we were inviting, we were staying within our, you know, our, our demographical, yeah. you know, um, sheepfold, you know, mm -hmm. so to speak. So it was always Latino pastors and ministers and speakers and they had to be Pentecostal, you know, yeah. kind of like from our same um, stream. But um, again, using resting places kind of like a template and an, as, as an example, I just felt like we needed to bring in, you know, speakers from outside necessarily like our our stream and definitely our ethnic uh, stream. So uh, like bringing you in today and other speakers that we've had that are either white or African-American or um you know, Asian, obviously. And we're, I'm just asking the Lord to help me to be more, I don't want to use the word like just inclusive or being diverse for diverse sake. Mm -hmm. I think that it's just important for the body of Christ not to stay within a certain kind of lens or sure. box, That's good. but just to, to see that there's, um, you know, I'm reminded Paul says um, that we have the mind of Christ. Yeah. Right. He uses the word we and not I have the mind mm -hmm. of Christ. So I think that it's just important to hear uh, voices from outside of our, again, our, 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 our box. Mm -hmm. And that way we can hear clearly what the mind of the, the mind of Christ is for this hour. Sure. I mean, I, I think, I, I just respect that so much about you and and how you lead in, in the community, in your city, but even the way you lead your congregation and your church and just being so diverse, because even for me, I think, you know, I, I appreciate being outside my box, you know, um, uh, worshiping in Spanish, you know, <laughs> preaching with the translator. I mean, that stretches me, but also introduces me to a wonderful thing uh, within the Spanish-speaking churches, the passion that that's so evident, and, and just be uh, aware and mindful and be a part of the wider body of Christ. And, and, and I just really uh, appreciate that and respect that about you. Um, as we wrap up our time here together, um, you know, our heart is for revival. Um, and we want to see that happen in, in the region. And I think our hearts resonate together. And, and that's how we, you know, got to know one another and connect is, is on that place. Um, 
how would you personally define revival? And I would say, my second question is, uh, I, re- I really believe moving forward in this nation that um, that the minority community is going to have a, have a voice. Like it needs to have a voice. And I really feel like the Latino community is going to be a voice. You know, one of the many voices that God is going to raise up to speak to it. So uh, first question is, uh, I know these are kind of loaded questions, but how would you define revival? And, and, and what role do you see the Latino community playing in, in the bigger picture of revival, maybe even in this region? Okay, so the answer to your first question is, <laughs> um, and I'm going to basically steal the title of uh, one of Watchmen, I think it's Watchman Nee's book. It, revival is really the normal Christian mm-hmm. life. It really is. I mean, I don't think... Um, I don't think anybody who is truly connected with God and connected uh, through the Holy Spirit will have a mediocre, average. Come on. I mean, think about it. Lukewarm, you know, being lukewarm. I was reading a book recently that anything that's lukewarm is assuming the temperature of its surroundings. Yeah. So if you take out a cold bottle of water and you leave it outside for about a couple hours, it will become lukewarm. It will take, it will receive the temperature or assume the the temperature of its surroundings. And I think that's what, what what Jesus was referring to when he was talking about rebuking um, one of the churches in, in, um, in revelation that, uh, you know, you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm because if the church just begins to um, reflect you know, uh, just the, the the mores of the day, you know, the, the, the trends of the day, it's going to become lukewarm. And mm-hmm. we have to consistently just press into God to reflect his culture. And w- what are the trends in heaven? I mean, what is God yeah. thinking right now? What's on his heart? You know, instead of just um, regurgitating what's on the news and what's on social media, but just to... So revival is really the normal... Christian life, Come on. just being continually connected, um, you know, like a tree planted by the rivers of water, just receiving, just consistently seeking God, not just doing a 20, God forgive me if I'm stepping on some toes, but you know, just, you know, we, we always press into God, like at the beginning of the year, you know, with 21 day Daniel fast, and I'm not trying to be critical, but it's like that shouldn't be just in the beginning of the year, but pressing in throughout the year, just pressing into God. And that's what revival is. Come on. You know, on. now um, with regards to the Latino church, I would just say that I think that, um, you know, the Lord is definitely raising up voices within the Latino church, just like he's going to do in the Asian community and the African-American community. I think that's necessary. That's important because our country is becoming more, you know, when I say our country, it's the United States is becoming way more diverse. And I, I think I read somewhere that in X number of years, I don't know if it's the next decade or whatever, the, uh, the United States is actually going to become majority minority. In other words, Whites are going to become less than 50% of the population. Wow. So it's got to reflect in the church as well. I mean, I'm so grateful that the Lord has raised up like these fathers 
like T.D. Jakes or um, uh, I'm gonna get some trying to remember some other name, but but like even um, Will Ford, you know, within our uh, the IHOP stream or yeah. what have you. But I'm I'm really believing God as well to to just raise up, you know, Latino voices uh, that will not just minister uh, to the English speaking. Um, you know, um, community, but the Spanish speaking community. And I think that's, that's the added challenge within the Hispanic church in that there's often a bit of a rift between the first generation, um, that still speaks predominantly Spanish that holds to the customs of, you know, Latin America and this, the new generation like myself who were born here. So we, we're really, we really consider ourselves American and we speak English and we think in English, but we still have those ties to the previous generation. And that's a, that's more of a challenge, I think, than other minority communities. Um, but I, I feel like the Lord is going to start identifying and calling out, you know, voices within the community. And, um, if the Lord, so chooses someone like me, then amen. And if it's one of my kids, even better. Yeah, come on, <laughs> come on. But yeah, I think that's that's where we're heading. Yeah, that's where we're headed. Amen. Um, I I believe with you that I believe we're gonna see voices come up from different ethnicities and yep. backgrounds and cultures, um, to to tell the bigger story that God is wanting to tell. And I think it's when when a voice from the Latino community joins with uh, someone from the Asian community and white community and black community. And, and all, I think only then can we get a big picture of what God is really like. Yeah. You know, no one has a monopoly on what God is like. And, and I think when we're able to come together and listen and share together is when we'll see revival come together. So um, thank you so much for Amen. hanging out with me this afternoon, sure. all day actually today. Yeah. And uh, taking time to uh, be on the podcast. How can people um, connect with you online, find out more about your ministry? Uh, where can people go to do that? Sure. Um, we're on Facebook. <laughs> Who isn't, right? Yeah. Um, but if you want to follow us on Facebook, just look up uh, Heaven's Gate Christian Fellowship slash the Sake House of Prayer. Um, and online uh, on the internet, we're um, it's heavensgatechristianfellowship.com. And uh, if you want to come and visit us, um, we're currently uh, at 194 Burgess Place in Passaic, New Jersey. Uh, our services are in English and in Spanish. And uh, again, it's been a privilege to be on your podcast. Thank you for asking me to be a part of it. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, um, Pastor Arthur. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in once again. Thank you, and we love you, and we'll see you on the next episode. God bless. Thank you for listening to PursuitCast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.